0: We are in uh, 40 days of prayer. How many have been using the 40-day prayer guide? Hold your hand up. Excellent. We still have some of those. Notice on the walls to my right and left, we call these the wall of prayer. You got somebody you love that needs Christ. Put their name on that wall so we and others can pray for them. This is your friend and brother, Adrian Thomas. Come on up here, young man. Everyone say good morning, Adrian. Adrian and Mary and the boys have been part of our church family for quite a long time and came from Malaysia to UK and uh, the Lord has been using him here. We were in Nepal together a couple of years ago and I heard this man preach. I had never heard him preach and I went, oh my goodness. And so uh, this is going to be a great day. God's going to touch you and help you. Let's stretch your hand out to your brother. Father, thank you for your servants. We are just empty vessels. Fill this man and use him and bring glory to your name today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen.
1: Morning. Morning. Can you hear me okay? Yet on Test. one two uh, buttons on there we go all right good we can get started now that's a good warm-up <laughs> <laughs> so three years ago i was on the stage and a pastor asked me to share uh, the message that i had shared in nepal called intimacy with god in that message i was uh, the Lord had impressed on me to speak about the tabernacle, the road map to his presence, the tabernacle that Moses, uh, that he had given Moses to give to the children of Israel. In the tabernacle, we talked about the three different sections of the tabernacle, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. In the outer court, you come to the altar of sacrifice. We had talked about that being the cross of Christ. The ultimate sacrifice was offered there. In the outer court, the next artifact is the bronze laver where you will have the washing. The washing of the Word, the life of sanctification. Then you you get caught up into the holy place. In the holy place, you have the golden lampstand on your left. I like to think of that as the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the baptism and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that brings the Word of God alive in you. And on the right is the life you live, your sustenance before the Father God. You live your life before the Lord. And you get, in, you get pulled into the, the altar of incense where you're praying the promises of God that the Holy Spirit has illuminated in your heart. You're praying that back to the Father. And you get caught up into the Holy of Holies, into the Ark of Testimony in the Ark of Testimony you have his word in the Ark of Testimony you have Aaron's staff it was a dead um, it was a dead almond uh, branch that budded that speaks of resurrection power and now in the Holy of Holies and you're worshiping and caught up with the Lord God Almighty I like to think that Jesus when he invited his disciples He was taking them through this walk, through the tabernacle. But you know, He knew we couldn't do it on our own strength. He had to show them, He had to demonstrate to them how it was done. And they were to do it, He he invited them to walk with Him. One of my favorite disciples is John. I like John because it said that John was the youngest among all of them. I like John because I also think he wasn't martyred at the very end. He was sent to the island of Patmos. He was almost killed. He wrote the book of Revelation. He wrote five books in the New Testament. I like John because he had the audacity to call himself the beloved disciple of Christ. You know, he had to answer for that. So he knew when he gave himself that title, he knew what the Lord called him. I love John because like I said he was the youngest and I'm the youngest of three brothers and so I like to identify with him John the Apostle spoke Aramaic of course the scriptures were in Hebrew but a lot of their commentary was in Aramaic whenever they spoke in whenever they wrote those commentaries and they referred to God the name of God We know it today, or we think we know it today, as Yahweh or Jehovah. But no one really knows how it's actually pronounced because it was so holy that they guarded it. But the Apostle John, in Aramaic, that was written as the Word of God. The phrase, the Word of God, was used to refer to God's name. So anytime they refer to God, Instead of saying, and God said this, and Yahweh said that, and Jehovah said that, they will say, and the Word of God said this. So his readers were familiar with that phrase, the Word of God. So he opens his gospel, declaring right out the door, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, the Word was God right out the door he tells us who this is then he tells us the word became flesh and then he says the word tabernacled with us to tent with us the word came to make a home with us you know john and andrew were probably the first two disciples that were called by jesus they were actually disciples of John the Baptist when John the Baptist declared Jesus and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he pointed him out these two disciples followed Jesus and as they were following along the master stopped turns to them and asked them, what do you seek what do you seek They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said, come and see. Come and you will see. You know, that was an invitation to a life, an invitation to a lifestyle. He said, come and see. And the word says they remained with him that day. For it was late, and they remained with him. You know, after John and Andrew, Andrew grabs his brother Peter and says, We've found the one promised. Then there's Philip, Nathaniel. In John chapter 2, it says, Three days later, he takes his disciples to a party, the wedding at Cana. You know, John calls this the first of the miracles. Only recorded in the gospel of John. Not recorded in the other Gospels. You know why? Because this was a first hand experience. He recorded it. It was what he saw. I used to study that in Sunday school in my Catholic upbringing. Jesus turned water into wine. He turned the water into wine. You've heard that miracle. Yes, he turned the water into wine. The bride and bridegroom. It would have been a huge embarrassment for them if they were out of wine this early in the party. So Jesus' mother steps in and asks for Jesus' help. And what does he do? He tells the servants, there are six jars that are used for ceremonial cleansing. He says, fill them up with water to the brim. They fill it up. And then he says, draw from it and take it to the host of the party. And it was one of the best wines that they've had. He turned the water into wine. You know, John states that this was the first of the many miracles he did. Ponder for a moment with me how significant this miracle was. He takes water, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, he breaks it down. He breaks the atomic structure, the molecular structure of water. He deconstructs and he reconstructs it, adding an element of carbon and nitrogen into it. Because wine has water, yeast and sugars. This reconstruction and deconstruction at an atomic level the energy required to do something like that is significant it is such kind of energy that is harnessed to make the atomic bomb he does this at his word the master of creation just does this by speaking his word and it happens john and the disciples say this was the first of many signs where He revealed His glory, and the disciples believed Him. That's what your texts say. That's how significant it was. He was opening their eyes to show them that He was the creator of the universe. And they started to recognize that. You know, this word revealing, brings me to a psalm psalm 84 where where the psalmist is saying how lovely is your tabernacle O Lord of hosts my soul longs yes even faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh cry out for the Living God you see the Lord Jesus invited John and his friends to live in the tabernacle with him how lovely is your tabernacle the complete Jewish Bible actually says how deeply loved are your dwelling places Adonai Shebaot O Lord of Hosts how deeply loved are your dwelling places it's not just one temple one tabernacle but we are the temple of the Living God you are all a temple of Living God if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ you've invited him your life he has come to make a home in you you are his temple how deeply loved are his dwelling places Oh Lord of hosts do you realize who you've invited into your life today the word dwelling to dwell the psalmist could have used any kind of there are several Hebrew words he could have chosen But he chose the word mishkan, the tabernacle. And mishkan comes with an idea of revealing. It's not just two roommates in college sharing an apartment. No. This is an idea of like a marriage. It's an idea of intimacy. It's an idea of revealing oneself to each other. That's why John says this was the first time he revealed his glory. Hallelujah. You see, the Lord's walk with us, or our Lord, our walk with the Lord, should be about him revealing himself to us. As he also reveals ourselves, his creation, to us. Because we don't know us very well. You see, John was taken into, even to the cross, the altar of sacrifice. Then he was taken to the bronze laver. I'm going back to that. His feet were washed by the Lord Jesus. Remember that story, how his feet were was washed by the Lord Jesus? Going back to Psalm 84, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. The psalmist here is even envious of the sparrow that is putting its nest in the tabernacle of God on those pillars. Oh, that I may even be like that sparrow that lays her young in the presence of the Almighty God. You know, a lot of heavenly plans are birthed and revealed to us in the presence of God. When we're walking in the presence of the Lord, many of God's plans the Lord reveals to us. I remember in my quiet time in 2010 both my wife and I, the Lord had asked us it was 2010 or 11, I don't recall now, around that time he had asked us to take to take us a, a job in the Philippines my company was actually offering to pay for just the employee to go i didn't really want to go because i had to pay for my wife and the two kids as well if i were to take them with me it was a short-term assignment it was only three months nevertheless i didn't want to be without my family for three months so all of us guys at work we talked about it said this is crazy who would want to do this in fact we kind of said that we think the company is kind of taking advantage of us here So we were going to not even, you know, think too much about it. But the Lord kept nudging me. And I spoke to my wife Mary, and the Lord was nudging her too. And you know, the Lord provides for His plans. We had a nice bonus that year, which I had all kinds of things that I wanted to do with it, other things. (laughs) But the Lord here speaks, and He says, I've provided the finances for you obey me obey my word and we come to church that weekend pastor Steve gives a message and he makes a statement in that message sometimes the Lord calls us to do things that are unreasonable seemingly unreasonable do it anyway and when we heard that we knew that was for us and so the very next day I tell my boss you know what I'm gonna do this okay And we booked the tickets, we go to the Philippines. And let me tell you, my family was tremendously blessed by that trip. Firstly, as soon as I get there, there are lots of open doors with the engineers over there, where we get to witness Christ with them. Thank you to my company for allowing us for doing that. One of the engineers in particular, I get to travel with him to China. By the way, when I was in China, my wife said, I'm not staying in a foreign country by myself with the kids. So she takes the kids to Malaysia, my home country, to stay with my mom and dad. So I go to China. This engineer travels with me. I get get the opportunity to share Christ with him. We go to church in Guangzhou, China, city of 14 million people. In the church, standing room only at the back, it was in a hotel. And they were filled up in the room, so we were standing in the back. Someone calls out my name. In China, Guangzhou, China. Hey, Adrian, what are you doing here? <laughs> I turned around. It was a friend of mine from Malaysia who came to the University of Kentucky 12 years before that. Wow. Kenneth Yo, and he wasn't even a Christian when I knew him. Now he's a Christian, and he's in the church in Guangzhou, China, the city of 14 million people. Kenneth invites us out to Starbucks. So we go to Starbucks in China. <laughs> and we start talking to this engineer. Kenneth starts, he was like, man, this guy became an evangelist in the last 12 years I've seen him. I was like, he's just like speaking with power and authority. And he's speaking into this man's life, this young man's life. And then he got, this young man then turns around and says, I just can't believe the two of you guys. You're like, you guys are both engineers. And here you are like pastors. How is this possible? And then Kenneth says well would you like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ in your life I know you know about him I know you've learned about him but would you like to make him your Lord and Savior would you like to be born again and he says yes and he says Adrian would you lead him in in the sinner's prayer in China Starbucks China I get to lead this young man to the Lord So I thought, this was Lord, I can see this now. This is what it was all about. It was about this one soul. No, it wasn't just about Him. There were many others over the years through the relationship from that trip that came to the Lord. Some of them even, one person, Gabriel Manon, he visited about a year or two later. Pastor Steve led him into his old office and I got to see EE 101 right in front of my eyes and I signed a certificate with, with him as Pastor Steve led him to the Lord. There was a couple... Jay and Gina, I met Jay on that first trip. Later on, they came to to, to the U.S. They came to COS. This church reached out to them. Brother Ivor Wilson and Pastor Steve goes out and reaches out to them and leads them to the Lord. That family is in Christ today. They're in the Philippines serving the Lord today. You know it doesn't end there. We had a gentleman that I met that came here for six months and he brought a lot of, the f- of his friends through these doors, COS. A lot of them, I think, are probably watching our video stream from the Philippines. That gentleman goes back, and Pastor Steve is going to the Philippines for another mission trip, a conference that he was going for. That gentleman asked, can Pastor Steve come and meet my friends? I said, sure. So we arrange a dinner in the Philippines. Pastor Steve shows up. There were about 15 people at that table. Him and his son, they get to share Christ. At the end of it, they say the sinner's prayer, all of them together. It doesn't stop there, ladies and gentlemen. Remember I told you that my wife went to Malaysia? Well, she came back, and we were finishing our trip up in the Philippines. By the way, while she was in Malaysia, it made me take one weekend out of my China trip. I visited her and I got to see my mom and dad for that weekend. We came back to the Philippines later on. And you know what? My mom passed away. Now for an international person, that's probably one of our fears in life. Being far away from your parents and your parents passing away. What do you do? Do you take the entire family? Do you go by yourself? Can you make it there on time? well I was already on that part of the world and my whole family was with me so we got to stand with my dad and my brothers during the funeral and I got to give the eulogy and I also heard the pastor say this the pastor at the funeral mentioned this and I didn't know he said the last time he saw my mom was about a month or so ago and he said she was smiling she wasn't well but she looked well and she was smiling and the radiance of the Lord was upon her And I asked her, and I said, Sister Doreen, you you just have the radiance of the Lord upon you. She said, yes. You know why? And she said, because my daughter-in-law and my grandchildren are coming tomorrow. She had been praying to see my kids. And the Lord arranged this trip to answer her prayer. In the quiet time, He spoke to us and led us to do this. I have to tell you one more story, <laughs> so Sister Anna Jones was with us on the first service with Sister Erica, uh, they are from Frankfurt, Kentucky. About a year ago, 2020, January 2020, the Lord put into my heart in the morning to go to a gathering in Frankfurt, Kentucky instead of coming to church. It was church, but it was in a smaller gathering. And I was like, Lord, you know, we're so used to the our contemporary church and our kids, the littlest ones, goes to Sunday school, so I don't now have to pinch him and tell him to be quiet and sit up straight, right? And, you know, we're so used to all of this. And uh, I said, the kids are not going to get anything out of this small gathering. You know, they're spirit-filled Christians. I love that. It's all about worship and spirit-filled. And... Uh, the Lord said, well, ask Josiah, my oldest son. So I go ahead and ask my son. I didn't ask him. I just told him. I laid it on him. I said, hey, Josiah, I kind of have a sense that we need to go to this church, this gathering. He said, what? Where? I said, Mr. Ryan Adcock's church, this gathering. I said, just pray about it. Don't give me an answer. I'm going to get ready for church. And I take off. Then I get in the car with the boys. And they're like, they, they say, I asked Josiah, well, did the Lord say anything to you? He's like, well, firstly, Dad, tell me why we should go to this church. I said, well, what did the Lord say to you? And so he didn't want to tell me. So I started driving the other direction. And he said, Dad, I think the Lord wants us to go to this gathering that you talked about. So turn around and go. I said, okay. So I turned around and I go. So we go there like I expected. The kids are kind of zoned out, right? And I was like, oh, man, goodness. And then, but it was a powerful gathering. And they were praying in the Spirit, they were worshipping. Sister Anna Jones, probably around my, my parents' age, if not 10 or 15 years younger, she starts preaching, giving the Word of God, Talks, starts talking about faith. In the middle of this preaching, she calls the uh, Reverend up, Reverend Betty, and she, and she collapses in her hand, just like that. And we're, the kids are now suddenly like awake. Hey, whoa, whoa, what's going on? You know, there are, and she collapses in, in her hand and she falls to the floor. And then I hear Erica and uh, Reverend Betty and, and uh, several others just praying on this lady. And they're, they're, they're asking, Reverend Betty, in the name of Jesus, return to your body. She's like flat out. Like just... And I was, we were watching this from the back. And then the Lord speaks to me, What are you doing back here? Get back in front and join these warriors of God. And the Lord also reminded me of a prophecy that I had tucked in my heart some time ago. Someone who said that you will see even the dead rise in Christ, will come alive. And that flashed through my mind. And I tell you what, brothers and sisters. I just felt the fire of the Lord all over me I went up there it was just I was a different person I probably scared my children because I was praying Psalm 118 verse 17 I was praying that on her and I will say you will not die but you will live and declare the works of the Lord you will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord COS you will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord and after two minutes on, more than two minutes, one of the sisters says, she's breathing again. She's breathing. And then she wakes up, she looks at us, and she stays on the ground. She wasn't breathing, and she's breathing again. You know something? A month and a half before that, my, one of my sons was in, in ICU for diabetes. It shocked my wife and I we were brought to tears we never realized something like that could happen to our own family that close too close to home and so there were lots of conversations about can God heal there were lots of conversations about does God do miracles today well when my sons went to church that day it changed their perspective of church they saw from themselves, and the conversation in the car, on the car ride home, my goodness, you should have been there. My, 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 the son that was diagnosed with diabetes said, Dad, I think if God can do that, He can heal my diabetes. Uh, yes. You see, in the quiet moments, God instructs us. In the quiet moments, as we walk with Him, He wants to show us His glory. Blessed are those, Psalm 84, that who dwell in your house. They will, still, they will still be praising you. When you obey His word, you will be praising Him because you were blessed. So there's, there's probably a group of folks that might think, okay, maybe, maybe this guy's life is just a lot holier than mine. I don't think so. I'm not a full-time minister, number one. I've got a job like you, like all ministers do, Pastor Steve. That's not what I meant. We all have jobs. <laughs> but when you stay in the presence of the Lord, your walk with the Lord. I've learned so much from Pastor Steve. I've learned that he works 80 hours a week. I've learned that he prepares his sermons 16 weeks ahead of time. I've learned so much by just being his roommate in Nepal. And I've seen how he conducts his life. He's in the presence of the Lord all the time. That's why he walks in the power of the Lord. That's why Anthony and Bill can walk in the power of the Lord. That's why Fontes is teaching our kids to walk in the power of the Lord. You see, if you receive the Lord. You've been invited. He's invited you to have this life, to walk this life before Him. There was a group of people in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 9, called the Gibeonites. They were supposed to be destroyed, utterly destroyed, because they were inhabitants of the land that was to be possessed by Israel. Deuteronomy 7 Moses tells them this is what God says when you go into the land that you are to possess that I will give to you you are to utterly destroy these people if not they will bring in their idolatry into your midst and you will be destroyed so the gibeonites they knew of Moses law they've heard of the people of Israel more so they've heard about the god of Israel They've heard about Moses in Egypt. They've heard about Joshua and Jericho because they had just conquered Jericho. They were camping at at Gilgal. And they had just conquered Jericho. Three days from Gilgal was Gibeon. Gibeon is about five and a half miles from Jerusalem. So the Gibeonites knew what was coming to them because even the city of Ai was conquered by them. And so they said, all right, if we told them we live around here, we're doomed. The rest of the enemies of God united together and said, we're going to go up against Israel, but not the Gibeonites. They knew better. They said, this God is powerful. We're not going to take them. So let's pretend that we're actually from a far country so we can try to make a peace covenant with them. And so they decided to do that. They pretended they were from a far country and they dressed themselves with old clothes as though they had been traveling a far distance carried moldy bread old wineskins old sandals they put on old clothes and robes and so the Israelites then Joshua 9:17, the Israelites just took it for granted they had the presence of the Lord in their camp but they chose not to seek the counsel of the Lord they chose to believe their own eyes. They chose to not include the Lord in their decision. Do you include the Lord in your daily decisions? Do you include the Lord in your life? Or do you just say, you know what? Are you the kind of person that says, you know, God takes care of those that, take, that, that looks after themselves? No, God wants to be involved in your decisions because He's got a divine plan for it. Always ask God for His wisdom especially when you've got a big decision to make and you're not sure which way to go. Always ask God for wisdom. James 1 verse verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He will grant to all liberally. When you ask God for a specific situation, wisdom for a specific situation, He'll speak to you through the Word. He'll speak to you through your quiet time with Him. He'll also speak to you through godly counselors. Always keep godly counselors around you. I don't mean the worldly kind. I don't mean the kind the world thinks is wise. I mean the kind that stays in the presence of the Lord. Seek them out and keep a circle of them around you and keep them for life. I've called Pastor Steve a lot on decisions that affect my family. I've called, I've had family members, especially my mother-in-law, that we consult a lot. She speaks into our lives. My brothers in Malaysia, they speak into my life. And number three, probably the second most important of all after asking God is always ask your wife. <laughs> my wife made me put this slide in,
2: so.
1: <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> but. A godly wife, you don't run ahead, or a godly husband, you don't run ahead of your spouse. Seek the Lord together with them. As, they, as you both seek the Lord, the Lord draws you into Himself. As He draws you into Him, He pulls you together. So seek the Lord together with your spouse. Unless your spouse is like Job's wife, who said, why don't you just curse God and die? Then I would say, go back to number one and number two. Coming back to the Gibeonites, they presented themselves as wretched, and I went through the list of what they did. You know what this reminds us of? This reminds us of when we don't have Christ, when we don't have God in our lives, wretched sinners that we are all sacks hold out provisions we earn wages and we put these wages into bag with bags with holes in them this was the scripture given in Haggai chapter 1 verse 6 where the prophet was chastising the people of God for basically just living their lives as though God didn't exist taking care of themselves in their panel homes while they were living they were leaving the temple in ruins Moldy and dry bread, old wineskins, that's what we do. We feed on the things of the world, junk food, cheap junk food. And we're intoxicated with it. We can't get away from it. No sustenance in it. Patched sandals, clouded sandals. I'm thinking of sandals that break, and then what do we do? We tie a, a cloth around it, hold it together. You can't really do any hiking with it. You've got an inhibited walk. We're limping. It represents the kind of life we live. All garments, clothing represents character. Even the best of you, without the Lord Jesus Christ, even the best of you, your filthiness, your, your righteousness is like filthy rags. Makes me think of the poll that they had, who's the greatest man that ever lived. And two names came up, Mahatma Gandhi and Jesus Christ. And I'm an Indian, and when I hear that, it saddens me. How can you compare the two? No way. No way. Nothing can be compared to the divinity and holiness and the clean life that Jesus lived. Nothing. They pretended they were from a far country like the sinner, like the prodigal son. He said, give me my inheritance now. Even though the father was alive, he acted as though the father were dead. And he went to a far country to live his life. Isn't that what we do because sin separates us from God? What do we get in the new covenant that Jesus offers? Look at the contrast. He offers us the bread of life, his broken body. He offers us new wine to be put in new wineskins. He shed blood. Jesus cleanses our walk. Remember we talked about the bronze laver, where the priest will be looking at the reflective bronze And they will be cleaning themselves before they could go into the holy place. Remember we talked about the walk of sanctification? Jesus cleanses our walk. When he went to cleanse his disciples' feet, Peter said, Never, Lord. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, if you do not let me wash your feet, you will have no part of me. Only Jesus can cleanse your walk. No one else can cleanse your walk. He also gives us a garment of righteousness. Oh, a new robe of righteousness. Reminds me of blind Bartimaeus. Remember blind Bartimaeus? He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was in the crowd, in all this noisy crowd. He heard that Jesus was in the area. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they were hushing him up. And Jesus hears him and says, "Bring him to me." The same people that were hushing him up now comes from him, "Hey, hey, he's calling you. What did he do?" He cast his old garments aside, that dirty, wretched clothes, and he came to Jesus because he knew he was going to get a new garment in Jesus. Lastly, about the Gibeonites, when Joshua... And the leaders of Israel heard that they were fooled. Most of us would say, you know what, this covenant is null and void in today's terms. But no, Joshua feared God. He honored it in spite of the deception of the Gibeonites. You see, I, th- I believe the second Joshua, our Yeshua, had instructed him, you are not to break that covenant. And so what he does is, he 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 adds them to a group called temple servants the given ones he augments that group with the gibeonites and Joshua uses an interesting word he says you are cursed cursed to be water carriers and woodcutters for the altars but you know what that curse was really a blessing they were saved They were shown mercy. The Gibeonites shows up in the book of Ezra later. Later they show up in the book of Nehemiah. The Gibeonites were within the congregation. They served in the temple. The Lord preserved them. They are a picture of us. We have no business being in the presence of the Lord. And yet, because of God's mercy, He has brought us into His presence. And it was all about His presence. It was always about His presence. You see, Jesus wants you to be with Him. In the book of John, chapter 14, when His disciples were worried, He had been talking about going away, going somewhere, dying. We don't understand what's going on. And He has this discourse with them. He says, let not your heart be troubled believe in God also believe in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself and here's the clincher that where I am there you may be also that was his purpose that wherever he was he wants you to be there as well and not just that further on in John 14 he says if you love me you will keep my word and my father will love you and we my father and I will come and make a home with you that was what it was all about the first step is receiving him but it doesn't end there. It's the many steps after that. It's walking with Him, enjoying Him, allowing Him to reveal His glory to you. You being His hands and feet. I believe in the last days we will see more miracles. The latter will be greater than the former. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be stronger. There will be more healings. There will be more death raising. There will be a revival. Get ready for His presence. But always start with mercy. Galatians 3.24 talks about the law being a guardian that brings us unto Christ that we may receive grace by faith. You know I see a picture that in John chapter 8 In John chapter 8 the law or the executors of the law the scribes and Pharisees brings a lady to Jesus that was caught in adultery and they throw her throw her down as Jesus was teaching a crowd in the temple and they says rabbi the law of Moses states this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. And in our law, Moses states that we are to stone her. What do you say? Jesus stoops down and he starts writing on the ground. And as he stoops down and writes on the ground, they press him for an answer then he says he stands up and he says the one that has no sin among you cast the first stone let him who has no sin cast the first stone and he stoops down again and starts writing I always wondered about that writing oh I wish I knew what he was writing on that ground but I, felt, I tell you one thing that just occurred to me. The very finger of God that was writing on that ground was the very finger of that law that they were talking about, that they were trying to trap Him on in His own law. The very author and finisher of our faith. And it scripture says one by one they left the room from the oldest to the least because all of them were filled with sin. But there was one that was worthy, that had no sin. He stands up and he asks, Woman, where are your accusers? She said, They left. Is there no one left to condemn you? She says, None, Lord. And he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more you see he could do that he was sinless number one and number two he was going to go to the cross he was going to take her punishment for her he had the right to show mercy like the first Joshua did to the Gibeonites he was bringing her into the presence of God and some of you here need to be brought into God's presence you need to be come alive in God's presence You need to live your life in God's presence. Your life is going to change as of today. I know it, and there's going to be healing in the room today. Praise the Lord. I'd like to just quickly ask folks if they would bow their heads, close their eyes. Musicians, if you would come. If there's anyone here that has never received the Lord Jesus Christ or if you've heard about him you've done it maybe m- many years ago but you've you've not been living with him in his presence the invitation is for you today the Lord's mercy and grace is here today I want you to quickly raise your hands I won't ask you to come forward you will not be embarrassed between you and the Lord raise your hands and say Lord Raise it right now and say Lord I receive you. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, come and live and make your home in my heart today, right now, in Jesus' name.
0: We acknowledge Christ's presence in the room with us. And his passion and mercy is here. Someone say amen. Amen. The next few moments are the most important time. It's for you to receive whatever he's got for you. He's probably spoken to every heart in the room because he knows your heart and your life and he cares for you and he wants to help you. We're going to pray for healing for people that have illnesses in their body, pain, affliction, upcoming surgeries. If that's you, I want you to stand up and just come down to the front. I'm going to ask our brother to pray. It's not about his prayer. It's not about his faith. It's about the, the creator, the savior, the messiah, the healer, Meeting you at your point of need so stand up and come on down first service We had a lot of people that came If you've got a healing need we're gonna pray a prayer and ask the Lord to come In his power and help you Please come don't be shy Whether it's small or great Jesus cares exactly right where you are for you. Anyone else, please come. Come and receive. Come and open your heart. Listen to what he's saying to you. Maybe you've got pain from an emotional wound. You've been rejected. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. And you're carrying that burden. If that's you, come on down too, please. We have plenty of time. Anyone else? Come down. Let the Lord meet you. Let the Lord touch you. Let his presence help you today. Anyone else? Please come. Please come. So as Adrian prays, you may want to just, in faith, put your hand where that pain is, where the issue is. The Lord will meet you, brother.
1: Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We give you praise, Father. You are the creator of the world. Lord, you can heal. You can destroy construct and reconstruct what needs to happen Lord these lives that are broken that are shocked right now Lord you can step in and you can speak one word and they will be made well in the name of Jesus the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ the authority in his name we claim and we rebuke the devourer we rebuke this pain and the sickness In the name of Jesus, emotional, physical, in the name of Jesus, we command darkness to step back. We plead the blood of Jesus over all of us here. The blood of Jesus and and Satan and your cohorts. In the name of Jesus, step behind the bloodline. We receive your healing waters, Lord. We receive your presence in our heart, Lord. We thank you. We hold on to you. And we receive you today in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. 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 Now as we continue to worship, you may want to turn and look for someone that you can just agree with. Find somebody that you can disagree with and say, thank you, Lord, for healing me today. And so would you just do that? Find someone that you can agree with in prayer and, and pray a prayer of thanksgiving over your neighbor. For the Lord touching you and healing. Just do that. Just turn in little groups of two or three. Little groups of two or three. Look for somebody that you can pray with. And the rest of us, let's continue to worship. Speak the word of faith over those around you. Speak the word. Even you gods in the audience, speak the word. Say, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you heal. Thank you for your compassion and your mercy. Thank you for releasing your Holy Spirit to fill today, to heal and redeem what the devil attempted to take. Holy Spirit, move in power today in this room. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus. Holy Spirit, do what only you could do today. And for some of you people watching online, maybe in other countries, take your faith and reach out to the Savior. And he will meet you right where you are. Now the rest of us, let's stand and worship and continue to pray and talk and encourage those people right around you right now. Let's give Jesus praise. Give him praise, would you? Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise every day of your life. Thank him for what he's doing and what he will do. We just take authority today. Abide all discouragement. Every spirit of depression and rejection. Every wounded spirit be healed in Jesus' name. Dear Lord. Do your greatest work among these people that love you. And we'll give you the glory and honor today. We trust you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. And slip out quietly. Pick up your children. But if there's you need ministry, there's people here to pray with you. And others are doing business with the Lord. Have a great day.